Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Second Take Podcast. I'm Zane C. Weber and with me again this week is... Sam Piaggio. Hello. Because Alex is moving house and Seb is still sick. So we are reviewing Inglorious Bastards, written and directed by Tarantino, and starring Brad Pitt, Melanie Laurent, Christoph Waltz, Eli Roth, Michael Fassbender, Diane Kruger, Daniel Bruhl, Till Schweiger, Gideon Burkhardt, Jackie Edo, BJ Novak, Omar Doom, August Deal, Dennis Menashe. Sylvester Grove, Martin Woodkey, Mike Myers, Julie Dreyfus, Richard Sowell, Alexander Failing, Rod Taylor, Sonky Mooring, Sam Levine, Paul Rust, Michael Bacall, and Aunt Schwering Sornry. Welcome, Sam, back again, filling in for my lazy slash sick slash absent co-hosts. I'm not going to call them co-hosts anymore. They're just some guys that are here sometimes. They've just been um, featured guests for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, they started it and invited me. Uh, but that was that was that was like two episodes, like three years ago. I'm sure I've done more than that episodes without them now. So now it's my podcast. I'm taking over. So this is actually a coup. That's right. This right. is a coup, and you're welcome. You're now my lieutenant, and you are charged with killing my opponents. Has someone checked that Sebastian is actually sick? Is I haven't seen any either of these people. I don't know. Oh, he's sick. I'm he d- won't I'm be recovering. <laughs> he I'm arrived at my I, house. Yeah. He imbibed something, threw up and left. <laughs> I'm not saying that there was poison involved. Why are you saying poison? Why are you looking at me like that? All right. Inglorious Bastards. One of the most recent Tarantino films. Yes. We've watched it. We've enjoyed it. I'm nodding and that's not helpful in a podcast. <laughs> um, are, are there any production notes? Uh, well, when did you first see this movie? Oh, I think I saw it when it, in like... In cinemas? in cinemas when it came yeah, out. Me like, too. Yeah. Me too. Um, Big fan. Very, very. I was very excited for a Tarantino Nazi movie. Yeah. Like it's like <laughs> what's it? It's like this is Tarantino's riff on like like almost like a wish fulfillment Nazi killing film. You're like yeah, like Nazis like, and spaghetti western. I will like, take it. Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> I I'm intrigued. Let's let's go. So Tarantino spent over. 10 years writing this script. So this is something that he's oh, kind of that. come back to and reworked and, and put together again. Um, and it turned out to be his highest grossing film since Pulp Fiction. So Pulp Fiction held that until, for, well, for 15 years. Pulp yeah. Fiction was 94 and this was 2010? Sure. 2009. It was 2009. So, yeah. And the first Tarantino movie to win an acting Oscar for Christoph Waltz. I mean, 
and he, then it's it's not it's not <laughs> that's not undeserved. He's he is actually a, like a standout. Well, yeah, it's being in, that he fluently speaks three languages, four languages in this movie: got, English, German, French, and Italian. It's interesting the number of people in this film that were fluent in various languages. Well, that's why he got the part. Yeah, it was well, originally going to go to DiCaprio. Because for a long time, like Tarantino was, was saying that he was trying to audition for this role and just no one was doing it correctly, I guess, or doing it justice. And they were starting to worry that they had made basically a, an unplayable character. Um, <laughs> and there were people def- who wanted it. Like I think there was a, there was a great bit. I think it was, was it Fassbender um, who plays the, the British commando? Mm. Uh, I think tried to audition for, um, what's, his, what's the character's name? Like Hans. Um, uh, Hans Lander. Lander. And Tarantino was basically like anyone who's been cast to play Heathcliff isn't German enough to play my <laughs> uh, play Hans, and it's just like, ooh, okay. Well, that's the thing. Like it was, he had uh, DiCaprio in mind, but mm. then he decided, no, we really need a German, yeah, a German speaker because only I think it's only like around thirty, thirty five percent of the movie is actually it's, in English. It's something I like. I read that before I watched it again and I was like, really? That that doesn't sound. And then you watch it again and go, no, all right, yeah, yeah. that's is mostly in a variety of languages. And it's really interesting the times when they use subtitles and when they don't use subtitles because mm. uh, especially during the the one that I picked up is during the bar scene and the aftermath of the bar scene is it's very clear like, when they don't want you to understand what he's saying because yes. he's, they're really putting him in the other. It, it's it's actually really interesting what they do, what, how they play with subtitles. Like there's bits where you don't get subtitles. I found it, I think it's funny where there's bits, particularly when they're speaking French, when the the subtitle is still in French. Yes. <laughs> and, it's sort of like, and it's like the sort of words where like most people probably, it's like that, there's like the, the, those, the few French words that probably most people yeah, will yeah. know. And, but it's just like, they they're not written in English. It's it's you know every time they say we, it's yeah. it's written you know it's, it's written we in uh in the or I think I do is the other one. And there's there's also a couple like sure. actual words where an English person, an English speaking person, might actually say like au revoir yeah. or or something like uh, coquette yeah. or yeah something where they might throw in a French word for added emphasis. Mm. They've left those French words for added emphasis in the subtitles that you're reading in your head, which is a really interesting way to play with language. It, it, is, it is actually what I like looking into this and there's a lot of stuff that I did not know that they did and like would not know that without actually reading it where it's stuff like if you, it's like things where it's like, if you speak German, yeah, these are things you can pick up or it's like, um, I can't remember what the TV tropes known for that. It's like, it's like bilingual bonus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's things like, um, Oh, like well, Fassbender is like German is his first language. Yes, yeah. Um, and so he in, and then so someone was pointing out that it was like it's it's German is his first language, English is his second language, but he's known for doing a lot of accents, being able to do dialects and whatnot in English. Yeah, but then his character he gets caught out, gets caught out for having a weird dialect in German. German, which apparently he's doing. Yeah, like it is actually a weird dialect. Which well, yeah. It, when you listen back to it, you can hear a, that he's. And, and yeah. I, I went back and did that, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, there's bits and pieces I can pick up," but in, without really, really listening to it. And yeah. as a person who does not know any German, 
I was, well, I would, as a person <laughs> who does know yeah. high school German, yeah. well, I went to Germany and I used to be able to speak it. I can understand it now, mm. but I can't. When I, if you ask me to speak it, I can't put a sentence together. I might be able to throw vocab at you. Oh, yeah. But watching German movies, I can usually get, understand get, get, get most the understanding. of it. Yeah, yeah. But I did a homestay in Bavaria and they have a different dialect to what is high Germany, basically. Mm. So. Yeah, listening to the other German speak and then Fassbender speaks, and he's like, "Oh no, that yeah. is that is different." Yeah, I, 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 I yeah, until until I knew that, I had not noticed, did not notice, and then I went back and specifically watched it to listen for, it and was like, "Oh yeah, that, there is there is like little bits and pieces," and it's like I wouldn't have I, ever. I can that. neither confirm nor deny whether those whether like he picks out someone from Hamburg and someone from Frankfurt. I can either confirm oh, yeah. or deny it's that like, those. It's like, are those, I don't know. But Like like we can, well, I guess we yeah. can do it with different areas of Britain. Yeah. We can pick out I different mean, British yeah. accents. But that's American and I guess 20. I don't think I, I think about it like, I don't know if I could really do it with Australia, but. Oh, Melbourne definitely has an accent. Yeah. They well, say I, pool I, instead I, of pool. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not saying they don't have an accent. I just, I just don't think I would pick it. Yeah. I don't think I would yeah. hear it me like, I don't, I, I I'm bad at this one. <laughs> Please. Uh, what was there any other any other trivia? Like fun trivia. Um, I know that one of the names on the Bear Jews bat is Anne Frank. I yeah, I did see that. Um, well, I, I I did like like talking about how the misspelling of of bastard. There's like this is one of the things I and I think I talked about this uh, last week, saying that you know Tarantino was a big fan of the what did it mean to you mm. um, line, which which can be a bit frustrating, but I actually often agree with, but he does sometimes take it a bit far. Um, this is very much one of those times where he's just like, I'm not telling you, but I've seen this, li- this list of, of reasons and if some people come up with it. Although I, I kind of like the fact that given that the other Inglorious Bastards film, yeah, it's like he maybe just misspelled it to separate it from those two films. Like, yeah, that's, I, I, it's not often one of the ones brought up. And it's like, that's, it's surely that's like an obvious reason. But I kind of like the 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 theory that because Inglorious Bastards, the only time it really appears, they really say it. Um, it's it's written like to see it misspelled. Yes, yeah, is on the gun stock of Brad Pitt's character. Yes, correct. And the, the idea that given that he's like a, you know, a, a sort of like a, a you know this sort of maybe not as well educated, educated like bootlegger, yeah. <laughs> he may have just legitimately misspelled, misspelled it. it. I, I honestly think that's where it came from. And then it's yeah. just like it's like he misspelled it. So like yeah, everyone's like no, no they just sort of took that's it. What it is. They sort of like rolled with it in 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 universe as it were. Well, doubling down on that tie to the original 1978 film, um, Brad Pitt's Italian actor's name <laughs> ends up. Garlami. Yeah. <laughs> Garlami or whatever. Um, that's the birth name of the director yeah. from Inglorious Bastards in the 1978, Enzo uh, Castellari. And the director, like they asked him if they could use that title and he said yes, but he got to be if he got to be in the film. And they did a scene where apparently in the actual, well, the original Inglorious Bastards, the director also did a little cameo as like a, a general ordering the men to fire. Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, he points like fire. And so in this one, he's, he's like a general again in the cinema where, and it's not in the uh, theatrical release, 
But when the fire happens, he stands up and goes, fire! <laughs> and he does the exact... And then he went on to make a film called Caribbean Bastards and he spells it the same way here. He uses an E. So it just, you know, it just went round in circles. Yeah, good. Well done. Um, I guess the only other interesting piece that I was very interested in is Till Schweiger, um, who plays the, the German uh, defector in The Bastards. Yep. Yeah, so he... Was born and raised in Germany. Is quite famous there, mm. um, but has always refused to wear a Nazi uniform in a role. Yes, um, and yes, this yes. was the first time he'd done it because he gets to kill Nazis on screen. So, I guess that that says something about Till. I think it was one of the. Oh, I think it's. Oh, well, I'm blanking on the name now. The lady who plays the actress. Oh. Um, um, Wait a minute. I'll look it up. It is Diane Kruger. Yes. I think I was reading something where because Tarantino had only seen her in like American films, he assumed that she was American and was like, I don't know if an American's going to be able to do it. I, I kind of want a German to do it. And then it turned up, she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm German. I'm German. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, all right. Here's the role. <laughs> Please take like, my role. I, like, I apologize. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Okay. Movie babies. Which two movies had sweet, sweet, loving times and bore forth the child that is in Glorious Bastards? Is it feels like a cop out to just saying Glorious Bastards. Um, <laughs> Look, for Ant-Man and the Wasp, I, I'm sure that both of my co-hosts, <laughs> I should I say my former co-hosts, uh, both put Ant-Man on their list. So <laughs> I want to say I think uh, I'm going to go with uh, Great Escape. Oh, yeah, that's as a good a, one. Um, so as a you know the, for the war film, and I'm now I'm trying to think of a what's a good cinema film. You know what? Um, just because I can't, it's the first one that jumped into my mind. I'm going to say it's a baby of the Great Escape and the Legend of Hercules. The so Legend of Hercules. I, I maybe mis- may, that might not be the actual name, but it's an Australian film with. Um, oh, I'm really bad at names. The Australian, the Australian actor who's always in the third of movies, like the third part of a movie. Like so, um, he played like Kellen Lutz, the guy who plays um the the gyrocopter pilot in Mad Max. Uh, um, he's 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 known for being in like part three of a lot of movies. It stars Kellen Lutz, Gaia Weiss, uh, Scott Adkins. Uh, Roxanne McKee, Liam Garrigan, Liam McIntyre. I don't know. Raid Sebedska. I might, I'm, it, it might, I might be remembering the title incorrectly, but it's a, it's an Australian film about these three friends who open an independent um, cinema. Oh, and oh, no, this this looks like a Hercules movie. No, what, what, what the reason it's a Hercules? This this is what what comes to. I what I might be thinking of is the Legend of Hercules might be the, the film they riff on. Right. So I, I can't remember what the, the the film itself is called because it's basically it's these three friends. The Legend of the Legend of Hercules. I want to say it's Guy Pierce is the main role. Okay, um, and I wish I could remember this actor's. I'm gonna I'm gonna go go home and I'm gonna, I'm, there's going to be friends who listen to this podcast and they're gonna give me a real hard time. They are rightfully Look, so. He's the gyrocopter pilot in like Mad Max Two. And if you don't know who that is, then shame on you. If listener. you watch Mad Max Two, there's one gyrocopter pilot, <laughs> and he's he's but the character is called the gyrocopter pilot. Right. Okay. Um, or the gyrocopter captain or something like that. And he's also like he's the mouth of Sauron in. Um, yeah, uh, in um, Return of the King, mm. and then he's in like mm. Episode Three of Star Wars. So it's all these films, which is like the third of a trilogy. He's he just and that's bizarrely, his thing. That's his thing. 
But in this film, they yeah, there's three guy, three friends open an independent um, cinema, and then the big sort of franchise cinema as like to try and cripple them. Right. They they get this. They get. I think it's, it's the Legend of Hercules, but he sends them the Spanish version, not the English version. And so, because they've got this big gala opening, the three of them decide to basically just like. Um, foley the entire thing <laughs> from the um, projectionist office. Classic Australian move. And so it's and it's basically it's 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 quite funny, but it's they play just like the images, of, but then these three people just doing random noises, <laughs> um, and, they just, and they just have all this stuff. They just fill the room with stuff, and so it's like, and then they just, and they just do all. It's the three of them doing the voices for all the characters. So all right, all right. Well, I'm going to check that out because I definitely haven't seen that. Um, my movie babies were Fury, which is World War II movie, Brad yeah, Pitt yeah, yeah. In, a, in a tank, and Super, the Rain Wilson movie, because it's kind of goofy but also ultra-violent yeah. and, and kind of a, a comment on, on that relationship between cinema and real life. So yeah, both good movies if you want to go out and watch it. Watch them. I'm not sure I've seen Super. I've definitely seen Fury. You should watch Super. I think. Do you I, like Rain Wilson? I I know of um, Super, so I, I'm familiar yeah. with it. Um, I just I think I just haven't gotten around to seeing it. Just basically, a guy decides to be a vigilante, yeah. and gets adopted by uh, like a, a teenage girl who wants to be his sidekick, and then they commit atrocities and they like just, oh it's a, I don't it's a very gritty sort of like yeah. it's not it's not like a fun vigilante movie it, no, it's a super dark it's a comedy. sort of like turns yeah. out that you know if you go if you try and be a comic book vigilante <laughs> in the real world there's going to be it's, blood it's actually kind of harrowing <laughs> um the other one that almost made my list was true grit um which is a western but I really wanted to put something a little bit comedic on this because yeah. I think it definitely is cartoony uh, yeah. So, and True Grit and Fury are not cartoony by themselves. So, no. put Super on there. No. Uh, okay. Tweet Nopsies, Sam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, um. God, how I, no. Um. Uh. Some Jewish friends vacation in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> and- <laughs> in France, in France. <laughs> well, yeah, do, do a European some Jewish friends do a European tour um, and end up involved in the cinema scene. <laughs> All right, yeah, okay, I'll pay it. Uh, <laughs> mine is uh, ever wanted to travel back in time and kill Hitler? A how-to guide. <laughs> Hashtag down with Nazis. <laughs> Hashtag actual Nazis. That'd yeah. be better. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hashtag still kind of relevant. Yeah. Yep. Whew. Maybe Tarantino, please, please, <laughs> please make a Trump killing movie. Please. If anyone oh. can, you can. Got like like 30 years down the track and Tarantino's like, oh, this idea for a movie. <laughs> it's basically a rework of Inglorious Bastards, but and you're like in America <laughs> with Mexicans. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Good or bad? What are we talking about first? I think it's. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about the good stuff. Yeah. Um. We we talked uh, last week about how because Reservoir Dogs was his first film, there's there are the most of the problems that we had are easily explained as it's the first time he was directing. Some things didn't land quite as well, mm. and stuff. Some of the stuff he was doing, which are now trademarks, are uh, he was doing for the first time. So obviously we cut years later and we watch Inglorious Bastards and he has refined all of those things. Yeah. And a lot of the same 
uh, techniques, a lot of the same tropes uh, are apparent in Inglorious Bastards, but they all are much cleaner, much neater um, in their delivery. Um, so things like, you know, doing it from multiple characters' perspectives, cutting between these different non-linear areas. Non-linear narrative. Non-linear narrative. Yeah. Um, being able to sort of jump around a bit. And, and as I was, and I was talking about earning scenes before, I, and I think I mentioned it last week that I couldn't think of a moment in Inglorious Bastards that wasn't, earned. that well, at least didn't like, wasn't earned to the point that it really sort of stuck out for me where yeah. I just, and where everything just feels like it does like each, each thing, each moment was earned, which then earns the next moment, yeah. which wasn't quite the case in, in Reservoir Dogs, but now he's obviously yeah. gotten a lot better at it. And he's, I think the one thing that kind of, ticks that box for me and it's only if I'm really being unforgiving is the switch around where the the German hero that that's in the movie goes up to the projection box and kind of confronts the woman about not wanting to sleep with him like that's that twist of character didn't seem like it was foreshadowed but then again Nazi yeah (laughs) I I that that's definitely like one of the I guess one of the moments you could it would be arguable for, but at the same time where it's like, it kind of feels like he, 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 it's not really foreshadowed that he's like, would consider, you know, forcing himself on someone. Yeah. But it, it, it always does feel that he's putting on, he's, he's, he's being, putting on that he's being hero a, front. He's, he's trying to be a lot nicer because he's trying to seduce this lady. He, Correct. He's, yeah. he's putting on his best front and, and it doesn't work. And then, but, but it, but you, but it is clear that it's a front. Like he is putting that, putting up a thing. And so it's sort of like, you are sort of like, I wonder what's behind that. And he discovers like, oh, darkness. Mm. So so much darkness. Um, which again, it's like, I, I'm not surprised. Oh, it's not so much that it happened. It's like no. that he chose that exact moment yeah. to go that's, and do okay, it. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's weird to kind of walk out halfway through your own movie premiere to yeah. go and sleep with the projectionist. Because you won't ever have another chance afterwards. It's yeah. It just felt like convenient timing. No, I I agree with that. But I will say this movie more than any other Tarantino movie ever really gets these, these intensely dramatic scenes that you're just hanging on the edge of your seat. It starts off with, possibly one of my favorite scenes in cinema ever in the the French farmhouse. Mm. Like you're just like, I have no idea who these people are, but what is going to happen? And like Christoph Waltz is just like, what, what? isn't he saying? <laughs> like what, why, who? This, this is, like, <laughs> I mentioned before that he was, the Christoph Waltz is, is for me definitely a standout. And it's mm. I'm not at all surprising that he ends up winning the Oscar for, for Best Supporting Actor. Um, because of this this role, he's just like, and he's like, he's such a good, amazing example of that idea of the the villain doesn't see themselves, yeah, as a villain. He's not, he doesn't see himself as this this bad person. He's just sort of like, in fact, like when he's having this conversation in that in that farmhouse where he's like, he's actually like in his mind empathizing, yeah, with the Jewish people, and he's, he's like, like, it's like, oh, all my all my my fellows, they they talk about being rats, and they see that as a and it's like, well, but I understand that's that it's not a, and it's not as like, it's like, oh, oh no, <laughs> yeah, oh, everything's uncomfortable, and, I'm, <laughs> and I, I can't remember, I don't know the, the name of the actor playing the the farmer, but I think you know, yeah, I should we should defend the fact that he, you know he does a, a well, great yeah, job, like basically just a cameo like just, and just um, playing back off, playing off this 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 moment, 
And he doesn't even, by the end of it, he's not even saying anything. He stops talking. Yeah. And it's just so much. It's just like, oh, this guy's just like, you realize that, you know, this, 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 this SS officer is just like been closing a trap the entire yeah. time. And there's that moment where the, the farmer suddenly realizes and he's just like, ah. oh, and he just shuts down. And he's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to allow like four people, five people that were my friends to die. I'm just going to let Germans shoot them and I can't do anything about it. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, no. <laughs> And that's the opening scene. (laughs) It's such a dramatic, tense moment. And you're like, where are you going to go from this? But like even rather like throwaway scenes, like when they have their German captives and they're talking to the officer and they're like, well, you can choose this or you can choose this. And then it's like, well, we thought you were going to say that. And then you just hear the tapping from the sewer and you're like, oh, no, what's happening? And Tarantino, in a way that no one else really comes close to, uses this realistic hyperviolence just as punctuation. Like it's not the focus of the scene because the focus of the scene is them getting information from one of the other random two other guys. Mm. But the beating of that officer is so it's confronting. Just, just suddenly this moment of just like, oh, oh. Yeah. And it's like. And it lingers for just longer than you. Whereas something, a war movie expect. like Saving Private Ryan, it's the, 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 the purpose of that scene is to show you the brutality of war. Whereas, mm. and it was, it kind of accentuates it and even glorifies it to a degree uh, just to kind of get its point across. Whereas in this one, it's just kind of like, this is brutal reality yeah. part of the story. It's got that sort of mix where like, it's it's not, in a lot of war films, it is like, you know, war is hell and yeah. violence is, is terrible and everything's bad. Where it, there is that element, obviously, in in this one, but there's that also that element of it. It's, it's that kind of like fantasy wish fulfillment of like, you know, Nazis are a really easy target yeah. for that. And it sort of- and it was a really, they were, you know, there was a lot of awful things happening to specifically to people of the same religion as this team. But again, in war, like in everything else, you have people that buy in and mm. you have the Beju that loves beating Nazi heads in. Oh, he's, and like, it's, <laughs> it's actually because it's great because you, that's the, you've cut from them mustering and they're all in their, in their, in their just regular uniform, still standing to attention. They all have that sort of matched look and they're explaining the mission. And then it cuts to the fact that they're now, you know, undercover, well, undercover, but they're incognito. And, yeah, yeah. and then the Jew walks out and you get that immediate sense of like time passing, not only because you've had the scene earlier with, with Hitler complaining about them getting this reputation, yes, yeah. but he comes out covered in medals, yeah. covered in German medals. <laughs> and then the first thing he does when he talks to the guys, he points to the medal that he's clearly like, that's the one I'm taking. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, how did you get that? Because I'm going to add it to my my, you know, Mr. T style uh, <laughs> necklace of bling. Yeah. It's uh and then of course, like, I guess every interview, like in when Hans Lander is talking to uh, the, the cinema owner in the restaurant mm. and you're just like, what does he know? Does, he offers her milk. He, does, no, he doesn't offer her milk. He gives yeah, her he milk. Gives her and milk. you're just like, like, does he know? Cause we, cause it, particularly cause, because the first thing is so good, you know, that that's how he operates. Like, yeah. it's like, he could know nothing and the conversation would go the same way or he could know everything. And, and this is exactly she's about to this, die. This is, this is how the conversation goes. He, it, it would be the same. And he's just like, I can't tell now. And that's why it's actually very, and, and then, you know, the, the late, the, oh, who, who plays the cinema, cinema owner? 
But she has that moment where she's like, she's sort of very defensive and very sort of tense. Yeah. And then the moment he walks away, she breaks down. Yeah, absolutely. And it just lingers on her for just a little bit. You can see that she just, she just like has a moment where she can just crumble. Yeah. And then before, assumingly sort of gathers herself and leaves as well. And but- I think that is an un, an unsung aspect of Tarantino's work in this film is the contrast between the scenes where she is navigating life as a business owner in Nazi-occupied France as a secret Jew mm. um, or secret Jewish person, I should say, um, s- smash cut to the inglorious bastards creating hell for the Nazis. Yeah. And it's like, Two totally different tones of movie, but yeah. they seem to flow into each other and, and actually inform the other really well. Which, as, as I was saying, we said earlier about how it's, it's it shows how T- Tarantino had grown and you know improved his craft, where it, it is much smoother now. It is much. It, it is. It, it does dovetail so much nicer. Yeah. Um, and even though he is he is like juggling so many so many things in 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 that in that moment. If you had to pick a favorite scene from this movie, what would it be? I mean, that opening scene is pretty good. Mm. <laughs> it's like it's really hard. But when people think of this movie, they usually go for the barroom scene. The, that's the other one. The barroom scene is it. It, it might be better just because of its length. Like it's and mm. also just like there's a lot more. It's a similar scene as well, where it's that sort of thing of like, how much does this guy know? Yeah. The reason I don't like that scene as much, like it's still a great scene and you're still super tense, is that there's too much exposition of like who knows what and mm. why he knows more than you and and that whole, like when it actually comes out and then they have guns drawn hidden and they're like, okay, there's no way they're not firing a gun here. Yeah, What's going on? Like that is kind of where that scene needed to be for me. Um, I think I think it's interesting, like particularly watching it again when you know what the trigger is for yeah. that that moment, and when you actually and you see it, you, you can because the way it's shot, you can tell that when it happens, but you're not necessarily sure why. Yeah, and they explain it shortly afterwards, but it, it is that, inter- that that sort of moment where it's like they almost got away with it. Yeah. It's, it's that slightly different the contrast to that opening scene where it's like that he was never getting going to get away yeah. with it. The guy walked in with full knowledge where well, this one is. And like that's the- why, that's why I love that scene so much more because, because there is no gun. There's no hanging blade except what you're imagining mm. is going to happen. And so you're like, yeah, they just, are, what is going to happen? Whereas in this one, you have a bit more broad, you have a bit more broad idea of what the actual consequences are going to be. And I guess that's just, because one's in the at the beginning of the movie, one's in the middle of the movie. Hmm. Um, but Fassbender still says that people will like <laughs> recognize him on the screen and just greet they, him with the they German don't, yeah, three. Yeah, they don't say anything. They just, they just hold up the German <laughs> three and just like I was like, that's how do that's, you how do you indicate three? Do you do what do you what do you do? I I I'd never seen anyone do it with with the thumb. I mean, that's probably what my go to is is oh, three really? or because I don't do. The 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 pinky the ring in the middle because it's kind of the okay sign yeah but yeah three because I would usually back of the hand three up and but I guess I'm not German enough either <laughs> yeah I, I think that like I think probably like the fir- watching the film in the cinema was probably the first time I let it see I'd seen anyone do the German do three a, do the German three or like even heard of it being done a, that, that way. thing yeah and I, I, and I didn't I, know that it was a cultural thing yeah I got, <laughs> I, got, I got like the idea of you know small thing that that small details in in culture where it's like it can just it can be it's such it's such a big deal in that moment but like 
um, is that that sort of idea is like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So it's like, um, which is, is something that I, 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 I've it's a real, my fair lady moment. Well, yeah, the thing is like <laughs> it, you, it's a detail that it's very easy to not know enough to know that you would need to know it. Yeah. Essentially. Is a, well, it's something that'll catch an, um, an uneducated like, audience off guard. And, but, but it's like, it's like, and, it's, and um, it's one of those things. Yeah. If you're talking, if you talk to two people and one of them has a has the records of knowledge and one of them does it, you could show them the whole scene and one person will, will immediately know when it went wrong and the other person won't. And yeah. then, but it's like that, but that's why, well, obviously why they explain it. And it's just, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an easy thing to relate to. Cause it's like, that's an easy thing to do. You, as I said, you don't know what you don't know. And one more question. Are you satisfied with the death of Hitler in this movie? <laughs> ah, it's, it's. <sighs> That's my cat. She's just jumping around. She's I was, I was warned there'd be a cat at some point and then suddenly <laughs> cat. Um, I don't know if I'm. <sighs> it's a bit anticlimactic, it's, it's a, isn't it? It's kind of anticlimactic, but at the same time, it's not really about that. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not, it's, it's obviously like, that's, that's a big focus, but it's not ultimately about killing Hitler. Like that wasn't what yeah. they were doing a film about, though they kind of positioned it that way. Um, and it's, I mean, very, I... it's a very chaotic moment. And there's a thing where it's like, he got, it, by the time he actually dies, there's like three, is, is like, there's no way he's not dying, but there's like three different ways he could die. There's like, yeah. there's three groups now who have set up a way to kill Hitler. At least one of them is going to work. And they're kind of like, all three work, so it's and like, the, yeah, that's, right. it's it's kind of like this. Uh, the movie is about the failure of three heists that succeed by accident. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it. The one thing, my one criticism of this movie is, I would have liked it to make a bit more fun of Hitler, or even a bit more illustrate a bit more of the reality of Hitler, like how he was addicted to amphetamines at the end and and stuff like that, and him and other people kind of just using him as a figurehead to kind of move things around. But again, like I would have preferred his head to explode at some point. Like <laughs> I, I, when you come to Tarantino and you know yeah. that he's taking on the death it's, of Hitler. It's kind of like of the three ways he could have died, they went, they, he, the one that worked was probably the least satisfying. Yeah. As a, it's just like, he just get shot a bunch of times and dies. And it's like, okay. I really would have liked the bear due to like actually just beat him. Like, like that Nazi yeah. officer at the start, like that, I yeah. think that would have been a really nice balance, but you know, Hitler died and that's yeah. all we can really ask for <laughs> in a movie. Ultimately, right? Ultimately in the wish fulfillment killing Nazi film. Do you have any criticisms of inglorious bastards? I mean, probably I probably should. <laughs> you don't, you don't have to. I, guess, I mean, I, guess, I have to very be fair few. that what we just talked about, is it is like that bit where it's like it is sort of three three sort of the three aspects of the film dovetailing together mm. that have all for various reasons got to the point where they're all wanting to kill Hitler. Um and that's kind of amusing. But then when it actually happens, it is kind of just chaotic and random. Yeah. And a bit tricky to follow. And as we said, it's not really the point of the film, but it is this sort of like up to that point, all of the all the action has served as this sort of like this 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 like highlighting. It all has had has had this very grim and but also very um, pertinent purpose. Yeah. And then suddenly it's just like it's just kind of chaos for chaos' sake. Yeah. And it's not. I was saying not as satisfying, I guess. And so it is a bit of a sort of the chaos. In, in the, the chaos it's, wasn't it's, as satisfying. It's, it's actually it's, seeing people die. It's more die. just like because the rest of the film is so strong. Yeah. That. It's not necessarily bad. It's just sort of it stands out. And that's the thing. Like I think 
movie makers feel that seeing a building explode is more exciting than seeing someone make a choice to kill another human being and see the consequences of that. That is always a much more affecting scene to me than saying, oh, no, this building is full of people, fire everywhere. Mm. I guess they're all dead now. Like the emotional response for me, like seeing the bed, you just kind of fill him with bullets. Like that's very cathartic for that person. But then where does where does that person go from there? He immediately explodes. Like I feel like like talking about like um Tarantino's trademarks, one of them is like this this like heightened violence. Mm. But one of them is also like suggested violence. Where Correct, yeah. there's like you know that something like a lot of violence has happened, but it happened off screen. I kind of feel like if they made a lot of that not be a thing, like if we, if, if, if you saw like that fire starting and you saw like her face on the screen and then everyone's like panicking and then it just cut to like the locked doors outside shaking. Yeah. And or then someone like, throwing Hitler's head on Lander's desk. Yeah. And like, or like yeah, just cutting to like you, you, you see, like, you probably still see Hitler die, but the rest of it, you don't, you don't see them just, like, gunning these people down. You know what I would love? Tarantino, don't listen to this. I love <laughs> your movie. Please make more. <laughs> I would have loved for them to cut from that to the last scene where they're escorting Lander wherever mm-hmm. and to have Hitler's head and have them, like, puppeting it around on a stick making funny dancey <laughs> jokes. That would have been... A, a nice closure for me. Weirdly out of place. Totally disrespectful to possibly just, one of the most evil people in the world. I think that. <laughs> I think we'll get over it. Yeah. It's just this, yeah. It's just this, this weirdly sort of like tonal shift at the end and then immediately a jarring tonal shift back. Yep. And just being like, oh, right. We're okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, final uh, judgments. Yes or no. Yes. Yes. It was, yeah. It's, 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 a, you can't, who you can know, say no to a Tarantino there's, there's, movie? Well, it's like, it's not. It's not at all surprising that, it, you know, it's the most grossing, gross, you know, film. It's not. No, highest most, grossing. Highest yeah. grossing is probably most gross means something different. <laughs> highest grossing film. It's not at all surprising that it got various Oscars. It's definitely not surprising that Christopher Waltz got uh, a best sporting actor Oscar. It is, it is good. It's very, it's, uh, it's sort of like at, at that point, And it's obviously he's, he's got, he's now making, he's still making films. He's making more films. But at the point it was kind of like this culmination of like a lot of stuff that, he had been doing and so sort of it came together so beautifully in this And it, in this it film. is it is clear that he's worked on this one for a long time. Yes. A lot of different influences and, and like paying homage in a very glorious way. Which is a very Tarantino thing to do, for. but it's like yeah. it's it's so there's and there's like as I was saying, like with the German, there's like looking into it, there's so many little details that I have no way without actually being told. Like the film posters in the cinema yeah, yeah, are absolutely. very, very important. Like throwaway lines are hugely um and all of it's like based on like real history like there's as like apparently one of the like i was reading one of the film posters is for a film that famously it was a french film that famously got a huge amount by the nazi censors huh and so they released this film that was like that they should have just the nazis should have just shut down yeah, but yeah. They, they managed to sneak a lot a lot by and so that's one of the film i don't know which film it is yep <laughs> that's but why it's like one of the posters it, yeah. that probably you only see for like a second. It's like there's actually this very prominent, very important piece of French cinema, and it's just it's just there. Um, like getting all of the details about the military, right? Like um, I was reading something like you know, there's this whole thing about the SS with the rank where they're not actually part of the military. Correct. Yeah. So, but then when they're being referred to by any of the non-Germans, 
they referred to as a military rank, which was acceptable but not correct. But all the Germans, or when they're pretending to be Germans, refer to them in their SS rank. Correct, yeah. Which I couldn't tell you what any of the SS <laughs> ranks are, but I, and so. Better than you, <laughs> better than the one below me, yeah. and the best. <laughs> yeah, very literal translations as some of the, some German words are. Um, and so it's just like, it was very, so interesting. Like I hadn't delved into it until I knew I was going to be on this, on this podcast. And so reading about it, it was, it was just, there was just the sheer amount of details. Yeah. That- and that's what Tarantino, well, I, I keep saying that that's what Tarantino does best about a lot of different things, <laughs> but it is, again, it is a trademark of his to be so detail oriented and mm. putting meaning into yeah. even the set dressing yeah. or unspoken gestures even and just, yeah yeah blink and you miss it moments that are actually so as you can tell criminal. i've gushed a lot this is a definite <laughs> watch i watch it at least once a year again i i marathon tarantino probably once or twice a year um it's a yes from me but now again sam you're the guest so you get to pick the character from this film that's going to go up against Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. I, yes, because I, I picked Mr. Blonde and then you mentioned that that's the, I didn't realize the way it worked was the winner fight fought next. And I was like, oh, God, I have to think of someone to beat Mr. Blonde. No, they might not be win. You can just, you can uh, just pick one. Because uh, the whole reason that we thought Mr. Blonde would win is because he was just so quick on the draw. He and just, intelligent about and, his And, violence. like, he's not, not like, yeah, not me- he's, he's very very focused and very, he knows what he's doing. He just, what he's doing is hurting people yeah. for his own pleasure and making sure they die. I feel like the way we beat him is with, ah, oh, why am I blanking on his name again? The, the, um, the, the German who was in the, who stars in um, nation's pride, the, um, the sniper. Okay. So just from a long way yeah, away. We, you do not go near Mr. Blonde. All right. You go, you, you take him out well before he sees you. <laughs> and that is how you beat Mr. Blonde is you don't ever get into, get into contact with him. You just make sure he dies. Uh, oh, what um, is his name? It's repeated so often in the film. And I- uh, da, 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 Smithson Utvik, Omar Umar, Major Hellstrom. Is that him? No, he's a private. Uh, Perrier Lapidite, no, that Joseph. It's like um, Goebbels. It's like, it's, like it's, it's something. I think it's like Franz Fuller or something like that, or Wilhelm not Franz. Vicky? It's like it's like I think I'm pretty sure like Fuller is his is his surname or something along those lines. And I say that knowing that I'll probably be proven, proven wrong. <laughs> uh, so Hitler, General Ed Fennick, Francesca Mandino, Sergeant Rachtman, uh, Private Bartz Walter Fraser. Hirschberg, Andy Kagan, Michael Zimmerman, and then we just get into German soldier territory there. <laughs> I feel like we've passed it. It'll be somewhere. Uh, Hans Lander, no, that's if you, if that's, you know the answer. Please, please call one eight hundred. We're so very sorry. <laughs> All right, sniper, but yeah, from the propaganda film. I mean, he's, <sighs> he's an actual sniper. Like he, mm. he is actually like he did the thing that the film's about. Um, like he, he, he. he what is he? It's like something like he holds off like 300 people or something like that and yeah. kills almost all of them. Um, all right. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably because if Dungeons and Dragons has taught me anything, range, <laughs> range is, is key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I feel like Mr. Blonde is very good up close. I don't think he has, he's very good. I don't think he'll be good at anything when you get actual distance going on. And also snipers are very good at like hiding out and camping. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. 
concealment is a is a big part of that. So don't let him see you. And then he just suddenly he dies, and then you hear a gun cra- the crack of a gun after he drops to the ground. All right, I think I'd agree. Yeah. I think he I think he would win. Yeah. So it's on you to find out the character's name by the next episode. <laughs> I will. Do you want to know what our next episode is and who he'll be going up against? I I, I am I'm uh, yes I'm very interested. Someone in from Mamma Mia too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like if, but, so, if the stakes are, all, are the stakes always a fight. It's not necessarily oh, like could, it, it we, is kind of a fight. But I think we, like if you put Hans Lander up there, he might have been able to talk Mister Blonde down and make yeah, it a deal. I feel, I feel like. Oh yeah. I mean, like I think this guy's a sucker for a pretty face. Yeah. Like. Hans Lander, I feel, was, was the was another choice, but I, fe- I felt like when it comes to Mr. Blonde, I want to be absolutely sure, and that means not having anything to do with him ever. I think Bridget um, von Hammersmark might have had a ha- had a had a way with Mr. Blonde. Yeah, maybe. I think I think for Mamma Mia, you're going to have to somehow convince him to settle their differences through a dance off, <laughs> um, and then maybe. Well, I don't know. Seb's Seb's yeah. doing that one if he's alive. Um, <laughs> so we'll see who he picks from that. But like, if you'd pick Shoshana, maybe maybe she'd just burn the whole place down, <laughs> and like that's how she would win. She, like she's willing to like kill herself yeah, yeah. to kill you. There's a couple of people there. You're just like, no, she 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 she'd take you out. Doesn't come up in the film very often, but I think she's killed people before. No. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again, Sam. Now with. Our audience can find you on Sammy P Productions on YouTube. Yes. And that's where you do your Let's Voice series. So find him there. That'll be in the show notes and we'll share it on our social media as well. Thanks for joining us for Tarantino. Oh, I had a great time. I love talking Tarantino and I just need someone else in the room (laughs) to do it so that I don't look crazy. Uh, (laughs) You'd think a microphone was enough and it's just not. It's not. It's not. You still sound crazy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, I'll insert... The little bit that Seb had to say about about Inglorious Bastards after this, and then we'll see you next week. All right, bye, bye. Okay, Seb, Inglorious Bastards, go. Seb is wait. I'm sick. So yeah, you're I'm, sick. You're going away. I'm going away. You're running away. We're putting this at the end. So my quote was Bongiorno. Is that how you say that? It's not Bongiorno. I can't even do it that. I can't even do it bad <laughs> on purpose. Like, I mean, I can, but not that bad. Oh, that's a skill. Um, what what am I doing? Oh God. Um. Movie fake, babies, fake trivia. This is not a historically accurate film. Really? No. Oh. Certain. If you look, if you look carefully, certain subtle um, clues in the film point that this is like an alternate history. Of being that Hitler's heads get shot off. I mean, there's also overt clues like that. But <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Um, babies. I had. <laughs> I had Forrest Gump mixed with a Grand Budapest Hotel. For inserting <laughs> inserting characters into historical moments, and I thought the tone was very similar to the Rambo Post Hotel. Yeah, I but, can see that. Yep, and and then I just had the words plus war movie because I couldn't think of a movie <laughs> with guns in it. So because there's no mo- war movies ever. I Move there, make movies about war. I couldn't think of any that I'd seen. Except Glorious Bastards. Yep, it's the only one. I just couldn't think of any like cartoonish war movies yeah there are very few like if mel brooks had done one back when he did like blazing saddles <laughs> it would have been the right fit but he didn't so i couldn't Good. go that way um my my tweet was who needs to read a history book when you can just make up a much better history yourself yeah good um i really enjoyed this film and oh to be brief it's a long ass film but it didn't feel it for me it felt like it just went right by quite quickly 
I did watch this back to back um, the week previous when we did um, Reservoir Dogs. So it was like sitting down for a good four and a half, almost five hours of Tarantino. And I just found it to be really- Best afternoon ever. It was a really nice evening. It was. I really quite enjoyed my time. I'd seen this movie once properly before having to watch it for this review. But my wife is one of those recurring films in the household. So I always come in and there's always two scenes I'm there for. And it's either I come in during the beginning and I have to leave for some reason. So it's the interrogation of the farmer in France. Mm. Or it's the, oh no, I've just blanked on it. The barroom scene? The barroom scene with um, Fassbender. That's Mm. the one, yeah. And that's, I mean, I've, I've seen other bits here and there. Like the other common bit I see is when um, the bear Jew beats a guy up with the baseball bat. But that's, you know, by for by really. It's mainly just that bar scene. But yeah, really good. I wish though, I wish Fassman was in more of the film. I will say that. I thought it was great. He was good. You know what I'm surprised hasn't become more of a meme on the internet? Mm. Hitler's head being shot off. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. It's weird that that hasn't been gifted everywhere. Actually, I remembered it differently. For some reason, I remembered him standing up with a black, like a backdrop, like a red backdrop, and being just like riddled with machine gun bullets there. So I might have like imposed a, a scene from a different movie into this scene because he's on the ground after he's been shot mm. and that's when his head comes off. And it's anyway, I really enjoyed this film. Um, my only other, my only critique is I like, I really like Fassbender's performance and I would have liked more of him, but the scene he was in. Is fantastic. Oh, I think Tarant- that's the Tarantino thing is bringing a great actor in to do just like one moment of greatness and then not letting them spoil it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not wearing out their welcome. Like Mike My- Michael Myers, Mike-, mm. My- no, Mike Myers was really good in this film. But then again, he, he wasn't one of those days, like movie stealing performances though. It no, was- absolutely. Yeah. It was barely recognizable. Um, I will say though, this film does contain one of my favorite scenes in cinema history. And it's when... Um, the three bastards are in the film at the film premiere or whatever, and they're pretending to be three Italian filmmakers. And Christoph Waltz's character is just like <laughs> toying with them <laughs> because their Italian is so bad. And I mean, this this is the movie that got me interested in Christoph Waltz, oh, like because yeah. it was just like just the just yeah super competent and but like not lording it over everyone. And he's just letting them slowly realize. That he knows exactly what's going on. Is it bad that the first time I watched this film, every time Waltz is in a scene, I had like a you know pit in my gut, terrified, and every time this time, I was smiling. Like I made the comment <laughs> to my wife, like he is evil, he is the villain, but I am just enjoying everything he is doing so much. Like, yeah, I I shouldn't be going along with it, but he's so funny. Oh, that that's the reason. Like that's like he's a he's he's a Nazi, but he's. He's just good so charming. at what he's doing. But the, that, that scene where he's calling them out on not being able to even pronounce their names correctly yeah. was one of my favorite scenes. And I have I found a link to someone who's put it up on Facebook. So when this release comes out, if I've got my head about me, I'll be posting that up to our Facebook as well. So if you want to just rewatch that one scene, uh, keep a look out on our Facebook because it'll be up there. But Good. Yeah. It's um, a recommend from you then. Yeah, it's an absolute, it's a high recommend. Um, yeah, this is the Tarantino kind of style that I really get into. Like, like I said last week when we spoke about Jackie Brown, like that was that kind of stuff, just not so much for me. But when you get more into this sort of see this thing. stuff, really, Inglorious Bastards is on the lower end of my Tarantino really? spectrum. I still love it; it's still one of my top ten movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's Reservoir Dogs, like that we spoke of last week, is definitely higher than this. I think Inglorious Bastards starts to get into Tarantino, seeing what he can get away with. Yep. And a few things are included that aren't necessarily, well, that aren't necessary 
to the plot or to the story or to the overall piece. Um, I, but again, like, I uh, see, I would add, I, I would think a lot of the Americans, there, there were too many bastards, like I Little track. Man oh, and point, the yeah. Bear Like those are, those are the only real two that I can remember. Oh, no, the one that plays Dominic De Cocco. De Cocco. Yeah, yeah and like, that's, that's what I mean. Like you could do it with less, but even then, like it's still a good movie. Oh, I just throw one criticism at it. The sub, the subplot with the the the, the lady, the uh, Jewish woman that escaped the farm in the beginning yep. of the movie. A lot of her scenes where she's setting up the the ploy of trapping them in the cinema and burning it down, those did drag for me. I felt like the scene had a really nice the movie. Sorry, the movie had a nice, really like fun but semi intense pace going forward. But I felt like I I think it was just because she was playing everything dead serious, but everyone else was being serious but sort of in a cartoonish way. I just felt See, like I she really was like that because it felt like he was playing it against of like a Jew living, yeah, surrounded by Nazis and just having to not put one foot out of place. Oh, or, the scene yeah. in the hotel in the um in the restaurant that was oh, good yeah, for me. Yeah. It was the stuff setting up in the actual cinema. Oh, for me. yeah, with her assistant. I just whatever. felt like it was it dragged a little bit. I just felt like compare comparatively to the rest of the film, it was almost like a charisma vacuum. I think that's definitely a, definitely an homage to similar to other movies, but yeah. you're sick. Go home. Yeah, so I'm going to go die. And um, uh, yeah, I'll we'll be back next week. Is it next week? We're doing Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Or was yep. that the week after that? No, yeah. next week we're doing Mamma Mia. Here we go again. I'm actually really excited. Good. Apple. One of my friends is in it. Yeah, really? Yep. Oh. Call out to Tom Pitteris. I don't know who that is, but good job, Tom Pitteris. You wouldn't like him. He's Greek. Oh, I'm going to go on that note. <laughs> Sorry, I um, missed the episode. Bye, guys. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. So if you want to get yeah. in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. Or you can email us because we have one of those things. We are secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And always we've got Facebook, you know, Facebook slash Second Take. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. That yeah. one. Or Second Take Podcast. You you find it. Yeah. And Twitter at Second Take TNC. Or we we have an Instagram, funnily enough. Sometimes we post video. No, well, actually, we have no videos. No videos of some pictures, yet. though, that are funny. <laughs> there was, there was a, quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I got bored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really? Also, um, if you guys want to support the show, we also have a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash second take. Um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us. It starts as little as $1 per month, which is 12 bucks a year. And it's pretty, pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Uh, and then yes. the idea is ongoing from there for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So sort of a... So please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not it's, allowed to watch any yeah. movies unless we're reviewing them. <laughs> and and the yeah, <laughs> if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to that's not kind of productions.com, which is the mothership for all of the other po- all of our other podcasts. Yeah. yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. <sighs> and maybe just one day... There'll be solo podcasts that we do. That solo you can find podcasts? There. Yeah, where we just talk 
at ourselves. Yeah. Yep. The Good. best kind of Fun. podcast. No interruptions, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> none of, none of this over talking of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think fans will literally pause just to be like, that's that's not true. <laughs> that's not how that works. Just because it's you in the room by yourself, Sam, doesn't mean you're incorrect. Anyway, it's fine. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks uh, very much for listening. And go do all the things on social media. Hooray. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.